So you're turning back to 1 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> well, actually, I want to start a little bit differently. We're going to turn to Romans 12. Um, Romans 12, just anchoring in a couple thoughts as we're looking at how God gives the church unique members with unique roles. The church is made up of unique members with unique roles. In Romans 12, 1, it says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What a a great thing for us to know and understand that that our bodies are to be used as as a living God doesn't call us to die for him. He he calls us to live, right? To live. Um, And we're to present this body as as a living and pure and perfect and holy sacrifice. Our life is a sacrifice, right? We sacrifice a lot of things for the Lord. Some may even say we we sacrifice the, the pleasures of sin for the Lord. Why? Because our bodies are a living and holy sacrifice. Make no mistake, the attack on our bodies is a satanic attack in all its various forms. And so we're to present this body as a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God as your spiritual service of worship. Um, there's some things that may be easier to see than others. Maybe when you see people performing and music with uh, the instruments or their voice. And maybe, you know, picking weeds from the rocks doesn't seem as um, glamorous, but they're equally as important and a spiritual form of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to change the mindset of your mind. And again, the world and the the ways of the world and the satanic influence of the world is so very gifted at, at infiltrating the mind and changing the mindset. And, and we've really experienced a, an amazing um, proof of that in the recent years where you can not just get a, a crowd of people, not just get a country of people, but get a whole world of people with, with a, a line of thinking and a line of thought by, by changing minds with false information, misinformation, fear tactics, whatever. The, the point is that a, a, a whole uh, mindset could be changed. Well, you're being told here, don't conform to the world's mindset. Instead, be transformed and renew your mind. We're, we're all right projects we're all like those old clunkers that you see in the front yard that that need new tires and new rims and a new paint job and new you know polishing off the chrome so we need to renew our minds like that that you may prove what the will of god is that which is good and acceptable and perfect for through the grace given to me, I say to you, every man among you, not think more highly than himself than he ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So 
We're called to present our bodies as a living, holy sacrifice. God has given each of us uh, a, a certain measure or an allotment. Well, how do we live this holy sacrifice? How do we give our, our bodies as acceptable form of service? Well, verse 4, For just as we have many members, we do this together, in one body, and that all the members do not have the same function. So, how do we do this? Well, first we do it together. We do it together, but uniquely together. We do it together, but the, the sum of the parts equals the whole, right? We're the parts, the whole is the body of Christ. And so, we who are members of the one body in Christ, we're studying what is membership, what is the church, and the church and church membership isn't tied in just to one denomination or one church. We're all members of the entire body of Christ, whether it's here in, in Washington, whether it's in New York, whether it's in you know, Russia or Afghanistan, it doesn't matter where. We're one body. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given, we have different gifts. We have different gifts, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. You ever, you know, try, you know, clipping the hedge of a bush with a hoe, a backhoe, right? R wrong tool. Wrong. You, you wouldn't go over, over your, your bush that you're trying to, you know, make into a nice round ball with the riding lawnmower, would you? See, the right tool for the right job. That tool, really, really good for mowing 10 acres of grass. Really, really bad if, you know, you, you just want to trim a little bit. But we get this mindset that somehow we're all supposed to be the same or that one is more important than the other. To each of us, let each exercise them. Each one of us need to exercise what? Well, our gifts. If prophecy, according to the portion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, or he who gives with liberality, or he who leads with diligence, or he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. A lot of ors in there, not ands, ors. A lot of the list that we read, look, you, you don't get to pick and choose what love is, right? What, what the... You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not seek its own. Those are all you have to do, all of those. And, and, and. Spiritual gifts are, are uh, um, the fruits of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are different. You have given an allotment to perform your body as a living sacrifice. And these are different allotments. These are different forms of service that the body of Christ comes together, that God has you uniquely gifted and appointed us. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll kind of see another summation of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning, <clears throat> we'll start verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make 
known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries. There are different ministries. And the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Why? For the common good. The purpose is for the common good, for the body of Christ. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and another faith by the same Spirit, and another the gifts of healing, by the one Spirit. You notice the Spirit there? Not the person. The gift is driven by the Spirit. The gift is driven by God. This isn't a, a, a man-motivated thing. This is a, spiritually, a, a spiritual thing. Verse 10, And to another, and affecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and another, distinguishing spirits, and to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Not as you will, as He wills. God's the one who distributes the gifts. God's the one who gives the gifts. If I could pick and choose a spiritual gift, I, I, I honestly, I think it would be healing. Right? I mean, you see suffering, you see it all around you, but I, I don't get to pick that. I, I don't have that gift, but I want that gift. And I'm pretty sure I'd be popular if I had that gift too, right? <laughs> so that'd be cool. Could write a couple books maybe. Um, see, and this is part, we, something that's good. I want to heal people. All of a sudden can turn awry. And so God wills this. God knows what he's doing. God can heal without you, right? Verse 12, for even as the body, back to the body, back to the membership, even as the body is one, the body is one. This is one of the things I love about sports. I love about sports is that it's never a one-man show. Now, a lot of times one guy gets credit. But, but when you really start talking about the team, when you really talk, start talking about uh, these, these you know, championship teams, it's all about the individual members. It's all about the supporting cast. It's all about the guys who have specific jobs. Uh, most of you, and even if you've never, you don't like sports or don't watch sports, have probably heard of Michael Jordan, you know? But Michael Jordan's not the guy who gets the rebound. Michael Jordan can't shoot if there's not another guy there that gets the ball to give it to Michael Jordan, right? We, we've all heard of guys like Tom Brady, right? And Tom Brady can't pass if five guys are tackling him every time he gets the ball. He needs these really, really big guys right in front of him that protect him so that he can drop back, take a look, count to 10, and then pass. And then that guy's got to catch the ball. You can throw it right in his hands, and then the guy can drop it. It takes a team. So even as, verse 12 the body is one and yet many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, 
are one body, so also Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the, of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, we actually have cartoons now where the whole body is kind of an eye. <laughs> anyway, if there were, there, there would be, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, then... Where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the member, each of them, in the body just as he desired. He desired. This is all part of God's will. This is all part of God's plan. God made you a nose for a reason. But I want to be a nose. I want to be an ear. You're not an ear. Look at you. You're a nose. But, but, but I want to be an eye. I want to be an eye. Eyes have all the fun, right? Well, we hear this all the time. We just hear it in different ways. Everybody wants to do the same thing. Everybody then thinks that that thing is more special and more important. And that's the cardinal mistake that we make in the flesh as sinful man. This plays right into the hands of the devil because the devil loves for us to be at odds with each other. And so he can crack that division. How? By getting the body, which is supposed to be one, the body, which is supposed to be playing different musical instruments, not the same instrument, different instruments on the same chord, right? In harmony. I love listening. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little twisted. I like listening to the orchestra practice, you know, in the beginning. It sounds like, it's like what's going on there? And, I, and I, I don't know why. I tend to think, see, they're not any good. They don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> they're just tuning up, right? But imagine if they played that way. You know, you know, Johnny wants to play, you know, the piccolo. Well, he doesn't know how. But he wants to play. Let him play. Let Johnny play. Well, that's how we tend to be. We, we, we want what we want. And then the world says, you should want what you want. You should do what you want to do. That's not the way God works. God has spiritually blessed you with gifts. God has given you a variety of gifts. God has given us as a church different and special talents. God has a plan. God has a great plan. Um, and the whole body doesn't need or want to be an eye. Verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. I don't need you. Imagine the, the great preacher that, that has thousands of people in a stadium and writes books and has everything. And he shows up one Sunday and nobody's there. Hmm, I guess he's not all that important, is he? There's nobody there to listen, nobody there to apply what's being taught. What's the point? You care how great he thinks he is. Verse 22, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members, the members of the body which seem, seem to be weaker are necessary. 
in our human condition, in our human mind, we, we, we like to rank, right? We, we like to rank. This guy is more important than the other one. Well, he owns the company. He started the company. It's his money. It's his innovation. You know, he, he's the one that took all the risk. True, 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 and true. But try having 10 crews with no employees. So he can't, can't produce the multiplication of his wealth by himself. He needs employees. He needs managers. He needs trainers, right? He needs people who know how to bill and people who know how to sell. And all of a sudden you have a whole tier of different types of gifted employees that require the business to be healthy and to grow. It's not a one-man show. Verse 25, therefore... There's, you know, some seem weaker, no, but, or verse 23, and those members of the body, which, which we deem less honorable on these, we bestow more abundant honor and our unseemingly members become, uh, come to have more abundant seemliness, whereas our seemingly members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member, which lacked that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's the great thing again about team sports. Everybody gets a ring. Everybody gets a ring. Uh, I was listening to, there's a, there's a podcast of an NBA player and he he's you know been an all-star probably gonna be a hall of famer he uh, has won a couple nba championships and and he's got this podcast that he just started so you kind of get like an inside scoop into the nba and his team well his team went all the way to the nba championship and so now you're you're able to watch like after every game he's like well this is what happened at night and this kind of thing it's very you know raw and stuff well at the end of the, the series, they won the series, and he had a very rough series. He wasn't playing well at all. This is a Hall of Famer, a guy who's been a very important part of the team. And in the, one of the major parts of the series, they usually play seven games, but in a major part of the series, he gets benched. It's the end of the game. It's like the most important time of the game, and this guy gets benched. And he's, he's mad. But he understands that, you know, okay, the coach is the coach and I'm not playing, playing well. But these two guys on the end of the bench that don't play, they, they don't play. They're not good enough. Both of them on each side of him are kind of coaching him up. You know, one guy, hey, it's okay. You'll be fine. The other guy, get your mind right. We're going to need you. At the end of the, the series and they win the championship and this guy's on his podcast, He's praising these two guys because he ended up playing at the end of that game. He ended up being a vital part of the final game that won the championship. And he gave all the credit to those guys. I don't even remember their names and how important those guys were as part of the team. But see, we like to talk about Michael Jordan. We don't talk about the guys at the end of the bench. We don't talk about how in, a, in, a, in sports, how important practice is. And how important 
like having good practice against good competition. And so the guy who may never play in the game but provides really good practice time for the others is as vital and important as others. But in our sinful nature, we struggle with this. God has uniquely gifted us. There, there is no weaker. There is no weaker. There should be no division. Yes, there are differences. Yes, there are differences. We have different gifts. We're different people. We have male and we have female. We're not all the same. Well, 1 Timothy 3.15. Turn back to 1 Timothy 3.15. Reminds us of this. I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. We read God's word. We're studying God's word. Why? So that we know how to conduct ourselves in the house of God. We go to God's word for that understanding, not outside the doors. We don't go to this, the, you know, Sam Walton because he, you know, created a, a you know, Walmart and built a big business or Lee Iacocca and read their biographies to understand how they built corporations and how leadership works. And we don't go to the, to the world to find their principles and philosophies of how to operate and function in the church. We, we need to know how to function in the church by studying God's word. And so 1 Timothy 3, as it's ending, after explaining to us what leadership looks like, what the, the roles of the servants in the church look like, reminds us this is how we conduct ourselves. So how do we conduct ourselves? Well, today we want to look at the two types of of servant leaders in the church and how deacons serve in the church and how women serve in the church. Last week, we looked at the overseer. We looked at what was the overseer is, is also known as the elder, right? And so in the Greek, the overseers called the episcopes, episcopos, right? Or that's where we get episcopalian from that, that, that kind of term. And that is in the Greek known as the superintendent. So the superintendent in the church is the elder. That's the, the older one, the overseer that holds the highest office within the church. Traditionally in the church, there's more than one overseer. So it's not just one guy. Okay, there, it's a, um, a few different ones. And we saw that there's, there's qualifications, there's spiritual character qualifications of what an elder should look like. Well, today we're going to look at deacons and, and women. So in 1 Timothy 3.8, it says this, Deacons, likewise, like what? Well, like, like elders, likewise, must be men. Now, last week we reviewed and went over again that the overseer, by definition, is, is an office for the men. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.1, if any man desires to the, office, uh, to the office, he, what he desires, verse 2, an overseer then must be above reproach the husband of one wife. Verse 4, he must be one who manages his own household well, right? His children. He's not a new convert. Verse 6, he, lest he becomes conceited. So we see that very, very clearly this overseer, position is a male figure. 
the, the pronouns here. I know we're really big on pronouns, right? We're all in the masculine form of the Greek. Well, the deacon likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much mind or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let these also be tested lest them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. So what's a deacon? Well, a deacon in the Greek, diakonosos, which is again part of the, the servant, Okay, it's a servant, uh, has the idea then of, of, a, of a waiter. Okay, we, we all know what waiters are, right? In a restaurant, I mean, most of us don't talk to the chef, right? Don't know the owner, don't talk to the cook. The waiter comes and serves us. The waiter's a very, very important part of the meal, right? And so the the deacon is, is a waiter. He's an administrator of service, of, of things in which we, we have roles of servanthood. He's a vital and important part of the church. Distinguished, though, from others. He's distinguished from others. Um, how so? Well, he has these, these character qualities. Now, character qualities are different than gifts, are different than, than like skills and talents, right? We're talking character. These are character qualities. Um, must be a man of dignity, of dignity. He, he, it, it's the idea of, of, you know, having class, right? Not, not being, you know, sloppy and... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a weighty position, man of, of dignity. We tend to think of an aristocrat, right? And, and not the one that's, you know, the, the one that, that would, you know, hold their chest out and their, their back up. One that has, is a dignified person, not double-tongued. What is double-tongued? Well, a liar, right? Saying two different things. Well, probably one of the most difficult or challenging things you will be faced with is people lie. People lie all the time. Sins of omission, they leave out key details, they twist truth, they manipulate truth, they flat out lie. They misdirect, misinformation, disinformation. I mean, we're seeing this now very, very graphically on display, you know, in our, in our news media, in our politics. Lying is is just a normal thing of life. Now, it shouldn't surprise us. The Bible's been talking about it for thousands of years. God hates a lying tongue. He says that all the time. I know, I know. Everybody, you know, in the especially the more conservative you are, the more Baptist you are, you know, the 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 worst sin ever in the history of mankind in the world has got to be homosexuality, right? Well, that doesn't even come up on most lists. You know what comes up on every list? Lying and pride. So we should probably worry a little bit more about that since all of us struggle with lying and pride. Uh, one of my favorite, you know, he's a street preacher, um, the way of the master, Ray Comfort, 
You know, he goes to the streets and he's evangelizing to people and he's trying to make a point that we're all sinners, that we've all broken God's law, we've all broken the Ten Commandments. One of the first things he says, have you ever lied? Everybody says, well, yeah, of course. Anybody here never lied in your life? We're liars. We struggle with lying. We fight against lying. The only reason why we don't lie is because of the conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we too will struggle with not being honest. This person can't be double-tongued or addicted to much, much wine. We addressed this last week when we were looking at the elders, that idea of being clear-minded, right? You have to have a clear head. Can't be in, in, in a, this, this, you know, over drinking over addicted and we see this we know what this looks like we, we know what it looks like when somebody's high right or intoxicated out of their right mind okay they this person can't be addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain they like making money the easy way the cheap way the sleazy way right i like that it's it's a, a general statement, sordid gain. doesn't say specifically. doesn't just say, hey, you can't do, you, you can't gamble on football games. doesn't say that. It says you can't be fond of sordid gain. That leaves the book open for a lot of different cheap ways to make a buck, a dishonest buck, a, a, a buck taking shortcuts. Again, we've seen white collar cr crime increasing more and more and more. It's not just, you know, multi-million dollar schemes. This person isn't to be um, one who's, who's greedy, right? A hoarder of, 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 of money. Loves money more than others. He's to hold to the mystery of the faith. See, remember, this is the, the church is new, the church is growing, the church is exploding at this time. This guy holds to the great mystery that, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. He is Emmanuel, God with us, the great mystery of all mankind. Who are we and how do we get saved and where are we going? We're creatures of God. God made us, created, created us. We're saved from our sin, by his blood, and we have an eternity in heaven that we can go to if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts. If we don't, then there's an eternity of hell. This is the great mystery that this man understands, and he holds firm to that faith. There's only one way to the Father, that's through the Son. We understand this through God's word. This man knows this, understands this, and upholds this with a clear conscience. And lest, verse 10, and let these also be first tested. Again, back to the qualification of, of an elder, not one who's new in the faith, but one who's been tested. Right? We, we, we don't want to take our tires in and, you know, get them changed and not make sure that, you know, the, the guy put the nuts and bolts on, right? <laughs> It's like, because then you pull out and the tire rolls off on the side of the road and it's like, hey, we test these things. 
And I got my oil changed. And before I, I left, you know, we, I'd go through all the, these different checkpoints, all right? Turn the car on and off and put the this and that. Make sure why, that when I drove off, the oil didn't just, you know, he forgot to put the plug in or whatever. Um, things need to be tested. This man needs to be tested. It's just time. Time is the vindicator of truth. Then let them serve as deacons. Once this has happened, then let them serve as deacons. Again, skipping to verse 12, and these deacons must be, again, husbands of only one wife, good managers of their children, and their own households. So we've reviewed that last week. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is a good thing. It's a good thing to want to, to aspire. Verse 1, chapter 3, 1 Timothy. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work that he desires to do. If somebody is serving as a deacon. This is a great thing. Serving in the church, it's a great thing. It's not the only thing. It's not the most important thing, but it's a good thing. Some people think that maybe you shouldn't want to do that. Um, but no, it's a, it's a good thing. Deacons have a vital part, just different roles. One of the roles they don't have and the unique the uniqueness and, and, and the major difference between an elder and a deacon is in teaching. Deacons don't teach. De de that's just not their gift. Is it okay that it's not their gift? Yes, we just read about that. We have a variety of gifts. Deacons do a lot of other great things. Teaching just isn't one of the things. But they do understand, uh, you know, they do understand um, and what good doctrine is. They do understand, you know, they hold to the, to the mystery of the faith. They understand the difference between Judaism, right? Because in this time, they, you would have had the Jewish faith infiltrating. They understand the differences in the paganism. They, they understand the Greek philosophy, okay? They're, um, they know things. Uh, it's not to say that or even to suggest that. So many times now we speak in the, in the cracks, right? Well, deacons can't teach because, you know, they're too dumb. That's, it doesn't say that anywhere. And especially as we look at the role of, of women, boy, we see that a lot. We see a lot of speaking in the spaces. And so the second servant that we see in the church is, is the women or are the women. 1 Timothy 3.11. Women, likewise. Okay, so we have the qualifications of an elder, character, qualifications of a deacon, verse 8, deacons likewise. Again, we see the same phrase, verse 11, women must likewise, character, be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. And so we see right away that, that there's, there's a character qualification that needs to be met. Well, why, why do we look at these things? Well, um, take for instance, like gossip. First and foremost, again, we all struggle with gossip. We talk. Um, but the idea of gossip, uh, and a lot of times it's like, well, you know, women are more relational. Women talk. Women, you know, 
are communicating constantly and well you got to be careful because that can lead to and, and, and what it says here malicious gossip malicious gossip has that idea of of intentionality right this is intentionally trying to create star strife or harm or undermine other people through your conversation Let's be clear about this. This, this is this is bad. So this this woman, this this person can't be a malicious go gossip. Instead, she must be temperate, temperate and faithful, temperate and faithful in all things. Faithfulness again, the a person that is reliable a person that you can count on well that's a lot more special than one might think isn't it when you sit down you think about the people you know how many people would you say um, they're faithful in all things they're faithful so this person you can go to them tell them your deepest darkest secrets share with them your prayer requests your heartaches, your sufferings. Why? Because as, a, as the female leader in the church, if people are going to be coming to you, seeking your advice, seeking your counsel, well, you can't be telling everybody else about what that is, right? Turn with me to Titus 2. Um, Titus chapter 2. Verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior. Here we get a, a more detailed description of, of the character traits of sp specifically women in Titus. Older women likewise be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. When you don't do these things, it dishonors God. So the flips that we want to honor God. How do we honor God? Well, we honor God by being reverent in our behavior. So, so these women are reverent in their behavior. They, they revere God. They, they're, 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 they're separate in that they're holy. They have a holiness to them. Again, they're not gossips. You can go to them in confidence. They're not enslaved, enslaved to wine. They're clear-minded. They reach for what is good. They're, they're, they're the ones that, they're, they're the iron sharpening iron. They're the ones that are constantly reproof, right? Remember the reproof that we talked about? The, you keep running and it shines. and it, that, that You go to them because they're there to, to reprove you. They reach for what is good. They encourage. These women are the encouragers of other women. Their role, their function, their office is women work with other women. Think about this for a second. Think about some of the sacred things that we're trying to protect. We're trying to protect families. We're trying to protect reputations. We're, we're trying to protect um, from things like adultery, right? 
Well, how do we do that? One of the ways we do that is, you know, we, we don't have men alone with women. Men are not to be alone with women. Um, not just for things that could happen, but for reputation. Men are not to be alone with women. So, when a woman has an issue that she needs counsel on or needs to go somebody in confidence or prayer, does that just go out the window because, well, I, you know, he's the pastor, so I need some alone time with the pastor in the back room with the door closed? No. So where would she go? Who should she go to? Another woman, right? That's, it's not really that complicated. So it makes perfect sense that women would disciple, would counsel, will instruct other women. That makes sense. It makes sense that, well, a single man who's not married to this woman is not going to be alone with that woman in confidence, in intimacy, because spiritual endeavor is intimate. Getting together and, and, you know, studying God's word and praying together is an intimate thing. And so, you know, dating couples, you know, often are like, hey, we want to follow the Lord, you know, do what's right. Being in, and it's like, well, hold on a second. You're not married to that guy. He's not your spiritual authority. And all of a sudden you're climbing up into the, you know, on the mountainside into the woods and you're going to have, you know, like a good time of, you know, in the word and prayer. Really? Um, talk to married people. Ask them what they think about that idea. It's an intimate thing. I, I know it sounds spiritual and holy, but it, it, it's not a good pattern for males and females to be alone together. And so God has a great system. You know what? Older women are going to disciple younger women. Older, wiser women who are reverent in the behavior, not malicious gossip. So you can go to them. They are constantly reaching and preaching and teaching about what is good. They encourage young women. These women love their husbands. They're good examples in that they love their husbands. They love their husbands in the Ephesians 5.22 way. As unto the Lord, they're subject to their own husbands. And we're going to get to this. We're going to get to um, what that means in our study of Ephesians. But again, we've been trained in the church. Women in the church have been trained to just gristle at that idea. Submit to my husband. And they think of well, this whole long list of reasons why they shouldn't and why that's bad and why that's wicked and evil instead of looking at, well, this is what God says. And, and if this is what God says, then maybe you need to reevaluate what that means. What does it mean to submit to your husband? Well, first of all, it doesn't mean to submit to your husband. It means to submit to your husband as unto the Lord. You're submitting to the Lord. And that guy's responsibility is to love you like Christ loved the church. He's supposed to die for you. He's supposed to sacrifice himself for you. He's supposed to humble himself before you. He's supposed to return you back to God better than he received you. He's a steward. He's not your king and master. So we'll talk about that. But the idea then of being subject to your husband takes an entirely different understanding 
from a biblical context. Now the world, yeah, they've twisted that to be very wicked and evil. And we've seen men abuse that. Let's not pretend. It can be abused and it has been abused. That doesn't mean we don't follow God's law. These women love their children. They love their children. They pour into their children. They're sensible. They have good judgment. They're practical. They're pure. They're kind. They're kind. I love that kindness keeps pot. Have you guys noticed that? Or is it just me because I study, you know, during the whole week? But kindness keeps, you can be right. But if you're not kind, you're wrong. Maybe it's because of my flesh and where I would struggle. And it's like, hey, I'm right. It doesn't matter. But you're not kind. Uh, we're called to also be kind. These women are kind. They're workers at home. Workers at home. Is, is there not enough to do at home? I mean, I've read a lot of books. Um, I used to do a, a radio show. And we did a, you know, two incomes and still broke. And, and, and these were books that weren't Christian books. They were books, you know, that were outside of the Christian realm. And, and the world is struggling in this area. It's like, you know, it's actually not that fun to go work all day long, you know, nine to five out in the workforce. And then you get to come home and do all the stuff at home, too. Who, who, who in their right mind set that up as women's freedom and liberty? <laughs> Sounds like a guy wrote that, right? I've got an idea. Hmm. Why don't I have my wife go work all day long and then come home and work all day and all night long, too? Sounds like a good plan. Anyway, we'll get into that next week a little bit deeper. Um, so I'm sure you guys are anxious. What do we see in the Bible? And we're going to look more detail next week. But in Romans 16, we see, uh, can turn with me to Romans 16. We get really a very limited look. But just because just we don't see it a lot doesn't mean that we, we blow it off. But Romans 16.1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Phoebe is a sister in Christ who is a servant of the church, which is in Sancria. Okay, so this word servant here in the Greek is actually the feminine form of deacon. She's a deaconess. So are there deaconesses in the Bible? Yes, we see one here, okay? So a, a, a woman is a servant leader. She can be a deaconess, but she doesn't have to be a deaconess, okay? Just a, a woman, and we saw in Titus 2, being a, 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 a woman who is in the home and a, a mom and serving her household, um, these are also leaders. So again, we'll get into a little bit more detail next week. This is more of an overview. Um, we have gotten to a point in the church where the church struggles with with different roles as being more important um i go to to conference you know big conference uh pastors conference first question everybody always asks how big is your church it's the craziest quite I mean, it's crazy these, these it's like who cares it's first question. That's what they always want to. What do you do? Like, do you write any books? Are you on a podcast? Do you do conferences, seminars? It's just, 
and that's in in the church realm with with pastors we, we have a very convoluted mindset of what Christian leadership looks like um, and so that's why we wanted to take a look at what is an overseer in the church we have elders we have deacons we, 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 we have women who are involved in the church why because we're a part of the body of Christ with different varieties and different gifts and so we can have you know a, a girl playing the guitar and it doesn't matter how old she is okay and it could be an electric guitar you could plug it in too uh, you know it, there's a lot of things we can do um, we know that the 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 office of elder in the teaching is that the men are the teachers and and, and we looked at that last week and and that's because that's the way God has set up headship and because of what happened in the garden with Eve, this is the, the standard that's been set for, for all of mankind. Now, why? Because you got questions, I'm sure, right? So next week, we're going to look deeper into the woman's role, the foundation. We want to look at the Old Testament. We want to look at, well, what's the deal with the prophetesses? What's the deal with the judges? We want to look at the appointment of women in the realm of the church. We, we want to look at the debate. Okay, why can't women be pastors or teachers? The, the, the bottom line is because God said so. But we want to study this and, and, and take a, a, a biblical look at this, and we will next year. We, we must adhere to God's orders. God's orders. What did I say? Well, we'll do it next year, too. Um, listen, the feminist movement, which is, make, make no mistake, um, 1 Timothy 3, 7, or 1 Timothy 3, 6 says, that a person, an elder, can't be a new convert unless he falls in the condemnation incurred by the devil, right? The, the devil's at play here. The devil's in play. Okay, I know we like to play our chess game of life, and, and you know we you know you got the white pieces and the black pieces, right? And it's like there's no red pieces. The red pieces on the board in play. Okay, the devil's in play, just because you don't see it. So, so, so. The feminist movement has long infiltrated the church. It's not biblical. It's not Christian. It's not conservative. It's, it's not pro-family. It's, it's not pro-woman at all. If you, if you want to see a, a, a person who, who is... Not a gossip, not addicted to wine, reaching out for what is good, encouraging young women, loving their husbands, loving their children, being sensible, pure, kind, workers at home. That's who the feminists attack. That's called a, a Christian homemaker. Um, feminism is, 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 as Proverbs 6 says, it's a lie and it creates strife. Feminism is at... at at odds with itself mm -hmm. primarily again if, if you were to get the the 
male chauvinistic man of the year for the past 10 years and put him in a room and a round table and ask these guys, hey, how could we, you know, really like assert our authority on women? But what would we do? I have an idea. Let's, let's make them work for us. They would never go work outside of the house for us and come home and cook and clean and do all that. Let's try it. See what happens. Okay. You know what we should do? We should, because we don't, we don't, because we're sinful men that, that don't want to be with one woman and we want to be fornicators and adulterers and stuff. We, we should try to make it to where we get what we want, but they think they're getting what they want. And so they're empowered by giving their bodies to us with no ties or strings or attachments. How about that one? No, they would never go for that. Let's just try that. Let's just try it. And the list it goes on. It's like you, you would think that men came up with this stuff. It's so twisted and sick. I mean, who would put down the greatest, the greatest office, the greatest role that a human being can have is to bring another human being into this world and raise them. There, there's nothing better. Ask any, you know, parent whose kids are just gotten married and, you know, leaving the house. They're happy, but they're sad. Why? Because the greatest time of their life is just flying the coop, right? And then go ask somebody who's 20 years past that and ask them how, oh, it's so great. I've got all these grandkids. They're awesome and wonderful. My life is so fulfilled and good. That... That you see in the Bible all the time. Um, anyway, we're going we're gonna to get to that next week. Um, Not next year? But, no, next. <laughs> but, so, remember, we have leaders. God has ordained and selected and given us different types of leaders. And so we follow the biblical formulation of what that leadership looks like. Simple. It doesn't exclude anybody, anybody. It's just different roles, different roles. As we 